Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'm going to teach on my favorite subject again, and I don't apologize for it. So uh, the Word of God says in Romans chapter 10 that the righteousness which is obtained by faith in Christ speaks. And what does it say? It says, the Word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. Wonderful. So I am among the best. The Apostle Paul called the Word of God the Word of Faith. And it goes on to say that if you will confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God forevermore. So tonight, or this afternoon, uh, for some of you it's morning, I want to show you from the scriptures how to see the invisible and believe the impossible. How to see the invisible and believe the impossible. Furthermore, I want to show you how to discover your purpose and destiny in Christ Jesus. In other words, what you have been called to do in Christ Jesus. Also, discover who you really are, what you are capable of, and what's been given to us in Christ Jesus, and how to obtain it according to the Word of God. And I'm going to give this all through the Scriptures. The foundational scriptures that we're going to be reading uh, today is found in Romans. So if you have your Bibles, go there, Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, and we're going to read verses, let's see, 16 through to 25, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here we go. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe, that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, 
and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Praise God for his word. Father, as we open up the scriptures today, we ask for revelation, knowledge, and understanding. Father, I ask that you would anoint our eyes to see things we had not seen before, ears that we have not heard, and a heart that understands your ways. Let's go on. In this passage of scripture, Paul, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us an account of Abraham's unwavering faith, which brought him into right standing with God, or as we call it, righteousness. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness means you are in right standing with God, right relationship with him. Nothing stands between you and God. He concludes this passage, the apostle, by saying that when God counted Abraham as righteous, it wasn't just for his sake, but also for our sake. If we believe in the one who raised Jesus from the dead, who was delivered, he says, to death for our sins, and he was also raised to life to make us right with God. Notice, please, that he stresses the principle of faith as opposed to the works of the law. In other words, no one can be made righteous in the eyes of God through the works of the law. No matter what you and I do or don't do, we cannot attain to that level of righteousness that it pleases God. The righteousness that it pleases God is the one that is obtained by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the promise of being right standing with God is received by faith and not by the works of the law. And let me say this, every promise of God that he's given to us is received the same way, the way of faith. Every promise. We receive salvation this way. We receive the revelation of our purpose and destiny. We receive the revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus, what we are capable of, and what are we destined to do. The same way that we receive salvation, we receive every other blessing by faith. Abraham's faith, the Bible says, remains strong in times of testing. Now, here's the question that we're going to answer tonight. How did Abraham develop such strong faith? How did he arrive at a place where he was so persuaded, so convinced, that God was able to do what he promised. And so answering this question is the central theme of my message today. How to. 
That's why I said at the beginning, I'm going to show you how to see the invisible, how to believe the impossible. And that's the title of my message today. How do we develop such strong faith by which we obtain the promises of God? According to one count, there are 3,573 promises in the Bible. 3,573. These promises cover a wide range of topics from God's plan of salvation to assurances we can claim for our daily living. And so here is an answer. I believe that the secret to developing strong faith is found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. This single verse gives us the principle of how to develop such faith that we become persuaded and fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. And I'm going to read it from three different or various translations. The first one, we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. How do we develop strong faith? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the New Living says, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The English Standard Version, ESV, says it this way, looking to Jesus, the founder or the initiator and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And finally, the Amplified Translation says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith. Now, how do we keep our eyes on someone we cannot see? How do you keep your eyes on someone you cannot see? It says, looking unto Jesus. How do I look unto Jesus? Glad you asked the question. I will answer it. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Now listen carefully. By keeping our eyes on the promise and not on the problem. We keep our eyes on Jesus by keeping our eyes on the promise of God and not on the problem. Why? Because Jesus is the Word of God. He is the living Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Keep your eyes on the promise. And not the problem. Don't speak about the problem. Don't meditate on the problem. Meditate on the promise. Speak about the promise. Declare the promise. Confess the promise. Not the problem. Amen? Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said here in Matthew 6. He's showing us a principle here. 
He said in Matthew 6 that the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye, he says, is single or healthy, your whole body will be flooded with light. And here's the principle. If we are single in our vision and in our mind, not double-minded, single, having eyes only on Jesus, having eyes only on the promise, our entire life, Jesus said, will be flooded with light and blessing. Single vision equals a blessed, a healthy, and a prosperous life. Jesus, uh, rather James, echoes the same principle. In James chapter 1, James says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What does that mean, double-minded? Well, a double-minded man is a man who looks at the promises of God, but when contradictory circumstances come along, he forgets the promise and holds on to the contradictions. It's like a man, James says, who looks at his face in the mirror and he goes away and straight away he forgets what he looks like. Amen? Are you, are you with me? That's a double-minded man. Yes, he says, I believe the promise, but look at the problem. So when contradictory circumstances come along that try to negate the promise or falsify the promise, he forgets the promise and holds on to the contradictions. That is a double-minded man. And James says, let not that person think he shall receive anything from the Lord. So my personal conviction, coming back to Abraham, how did Abraham obtain such strong and unwavering faith? Well, this is my personal conviction. The Bible doesn't say so, but this is what I believe. Abraham kept looking at the promise of God rather than his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb, according to the word of God. The Bible says he considered not his own body. In other words, he didn't pay attention that he was 90 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He never, that never meditated. He never considered it. He just considered only one thing, and that is the promise of God. The promise that God gave him was the only Bible he had. At night, he kept looking at the stars and counting them. Why? Because God said, so many will your descendants be. And in the day, he kept looking at the sand on the seashore. Why? Because God said to him that his descendants would be like the stars in the heavens and like the sand on the seashore. So he kept looking at the stars and kept looking at the sand. And this is what happened. What he kept looking at and meditated on, painted an inward image or picture on the inside of him that was much bigger than the impossible situation that was on the outside. This is how you see the invisible and believe the impossible. By keep looking at the promise over and over and over and over again, meditating on the promise, 
not on the problem, then what you look at, what you meditate on, forms an inward picture. In other words, you become impregnated with the promise of God. Until the promise on the inside of you is much bigger, much greater than the situation on the outside. Did you get that? That's how we move from faith to faith and from glory to glory. When I was born again years ago, I was suffering from migraine headaches, maybe two a week. And man, it would cause me to bring up. I would lie down. I couldn't get up from the pain, shut myself in a dark room. And then I found out that Jesus not only forgave my sins, but he also healed all my sickness and diseases. So you know what I've done? I went from Genesis to Revelation, and I marked several scriptures that promised me healing and health. I camped on those verses morning, noon, and night for almost six months, meditated on them, studied them, uh, again, reading them every morning, every lunchtime, every evening, meditating on them throughout the day when I wasn't busy or anything. And you know what? Within six months of studying and meditating the word on health and healing, that power of migraine headaches was broken over me. Never had a migraine headache since then. The promise on the inside became greater and bigger than the problem on the outside. So the more Abraham looked at the promise, the bigger the promise became. The more he considered what God said, the more the promise was amplified and the impossible became possible. Praise God. Are you still with me? I pray you're listening well. Listen, family, if we want great faith, unshakable faith, we must have great visions and dreams. Let your dreams, based on God's promises, not outside of God's promises, let your dreams and visions based on God's promises take you to places where you have not been before. This is how, as I mentioned, we move from one level of faith to another level of faith, from one level of glory to another level of glory, as the Spirit enables us to see the invisible and believe the impossible. Every step of growth and development, every little progress that we make, whether spiritual or natural, is done by faith and by faith alone. So if you want to get out from where you are, you got to focus on the promise. And as Pastor Frank mentioned last Thursday, when you have an encounter with God, you hear the word, you receive the promise. You know, a couple of years after I was born again, fellowshipping with God, I had an encounter with the Spirit of God. And as I was in prayer and worshiping God, the Spirit of God spoke to me through a verse of Scripture. Luke chapter 1, verse 76. I will never be able to forget that. And the Spirit said to me what Zechariah said to his son John. And thou, child, shall become the prophet of the highest, 
for you will go before the before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways and give knowledge of salvation to his people through the remission of the sins. I knew exactly through the promise where I was headed. I knew what God called me to do, and I knew I had to make preparation for that. I saw through the scriptures my destiny. And God will do the same to you if you will take the time to spend with him and fellowship with him. Amen. He's not a respecter of persons. And this is how we move from one level of faith, as I said, to another. And I dare you to believe God for great things. We serve a great God, folks. Great God. He loves to display his power on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him or full of faith because faith pleases God. Believe God for great things. You have a mortgage or a bond, 30 years to pay it off. Why not release your faith based on the promises of God that you will finish that in five years, in 10 years? Why 30 years? Is God able to step in? Your salary or your job is not your source. God is your source. You live and walk in the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. All that the Father has belongs to you. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What belongs to him belongs to you. Because you are seated with him in heavenly places. We are members of his body. That's what the scripture says. So I dare you to believe God. I dare you to step out and trust God for great things. What we continue to look at, what we continue to meditate on, becomes a living, breathing reality to us to the point where we dare to call those things which be not as though they were. Abraham, which means father of many, called himself father of many before he ever had Isaac. How could he do that? Greetings, sir. What is your name? Abraham, father of many nations. And he was childless. Why? How could he do that? Let me give you the secret how he was able to do that and how you are able to see the invisible and believe the impossible. How did Abraham do that? He looked at the promise and saw his future. I want to say that because that's deep. He looked to the promise and through the promise he saw his end from the beginning. That's what he saw, the future. He looked into the future through the glasses of the promise and saw himself as a father of many nations. Therefore, he, he wasn't telling a lie. He was speaking what he saw in the spirit. He was confessing what he received through the promise. That was not a lie. That was the truth of the promise that he saw. And that's how God wants you to walk by faith, seeing the invisible through the promise. 
calling those things which be not as though they were, believing the impossible as you look at and meditate on the promise. Listen to what Jesus said. What I'm sharing with you is so powerful that if you adopt it in your own life, you will begin to grow in faith. You will begin to develop. You're going to see the mighty hand of God working on your behalf. Listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 8, verse 56. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Well, well, well. <laughs> How did Abraham see the day of Jesus? I trust you will answer that. You can answer that. How did he see the day of Jesus? Abraham, hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. By faith in the promise. He looked through the promise and he saw. That's what the word of God does to us, folks. Gives us sight, vision, purpose. And makes us believe the impossible. We look through the promise. And when we look through the promise, we cannot but rejoice and be glad just as Abraham did. There is, no, there is no darkness in the realm of faith. There is no defeat in the realm of faith. Are you listening to me? There is light. There is truth. There is joy. There is peace in the Holy Ghost. Because you're walking by faith and not by sight. We see things with our physical eyes we cannot see. We understand things our natural mind cannot understand. We touch things in the spirit that are untouchable in the flesh. And the impossible becomes possible. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we do not look at the things which are seen. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you talking about? What are you declaring? What are you communicating? Things that are seen? Well, the scripture says we do not look at the things which are seen. What are we looking at? He says, but at the things which are not seen. How do you see things that are not seen? Through the promise. For the things which are seen are temporary, means they are subject to change. What you see, what you feel can, can change in an instant. But what you cannot see is eternal, and they cannot be changed. The Word of God is eternal, and it is unchangeable. God says, I am the Lord, I do not change. There is no variableness, no shadow of turning in God. He says what he means, and he means what he says. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs 4.21 that we must not allow the Word of God to depart from our eyes. Very important verse of Scripture. The day you allow the Word of God to depart from your eyes, your vision, 
The Bible says you will go backwards, you will be destroyed. For where there is no vision, the people are destroyed. The promises of God are so great. They are able to give you such vision and dreams that will blow your natural mind and enlarge the territory of your influence in Christ. In fact, Peter says that these promises, listen to what he calls them, they are exceedingly great and precious. Why? Because they are able to make us, he says, partakers of God's divine nature. They impart to you when you digest these promises, when you assimilate them, when they become part of you, they impart to you the very nature of God. Holy, separate. They will turn you, these promises, into spiritual giants, giving you such confidence and boldness to face any impossibility and turn them into possibilities. Was it not Jesus who said, all things are possible to him who believes? Believes what? The promises of God. In my estimation, I think we have so underestimated and undervalued the promises of God by reducing them to common words that are written on paper. If we valued these promises the way we should have, I believe we would sleep with them, we would wake up with them in our minds and on our lips. We would fellowship with these promises that God has spoken to us through the Spirit until they are more real to us than our physical senses or our natural circumstances. These exceedingly great and precious promises carry within themselves, I believe, according to the word, the very nature of God. And when believed and acted upon, they release the very presence of God on the scene. That's why the righteousness which is of faith says, you don't have to go to heaven to bring Christ down from above. You don't have to go to the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead. What do you do? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. God is as near as your mouth is. Never pray and say, oh, Lord, please be with me on this journey. Oh, Lord, please. Do. No, don't, don't ever pray that. Say, thank you, Lord, that you are right here, present. Your word is here, and where your word is, you are. So the purpose of my teaching today is to show you to point the way how to develop such faith in the promises of God that nothing will seem impossible to you. There will come a day when the problem that you're facing or the circumstance that you're facing, it will, it, there will come a day when you meditate on these promises that these problems seem so insignificant, so small compared to the greatness of your God that is within you. Amen. Such developed faith remains immovable, unshakable in a world that is constantly changing from one day to the next. It is a faith that remains in the rest and the peace of God, regardless of the challenges, the opposition, the problems, the trials that we may face from day to day. 
And the purpose of my teaching is to prepare you, help you prepare for the day in which we are currently living in. Family, listen to me, please. And the days which are to come, which the Bible calls them perilous days, days of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Look around you, listen to the news and see what's going on. This is how we get there. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. The way we measure the promises of God, or how much value we place on them, will be the measure of faith and virtue and knowledge and wisdom that we will receive from them. We need to be like the Berean believers who readily listened to Paul's message, but they didn't stop there. The Bible says they searched the scriptures daily for themselves to verify what was taught was this was the scriptures, was the truth. You read that in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. And the primary reason people are deceived, Christian people, is because they do not study the word of God for themselves. As a result, they have no standard to measure what they hear. They are satisfied to hear the word from the pastor, but do no further study on the subject they are taught. You're never going to grow this way. And, I, and Pastor Frank said something on Thursday, last Thursday. I want to encourage you, you who desire to grow and develop spiritually, log on on Thursday evening at 7.30 South African time. Pastor Frank is teaching some powerful principles on spiritual growth. You will develop, you will grow. It will inspire your faith. It will cause you to leap in the spirit. He said something I've never heard before. And I'm in, the, I'm in the faith for how many? Over 40 years. He said, personal encounters with God are not transferable. Your pastor cannot transfer you the encounters he has with him. No one can. It's a personal a relationship and walk with God. And if you don't put any time in it, you're not going to get anything out of it. And I want to challenge you today. How much time do you spend meditating, studying, reading the Word of God? Most people, in my experience of being a shepherd over 40 years, Christians are satisfied to hear the Word from the pastor, but do no further study for themselves. And listen, if you do not recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd, it's because you're unfamiliar with his language. That's as plain as I can put it. When you know the scriptures, you cannot be easily deceived. For example, someone comes along and he tells you two plus two is six, is not four. You will certainly not believe him. Why? Because you know that you know that you know that you know that two plus four is two plus two is four, is not six. So knowing the truth sets us free from the dangers of deception. And there's so much deception going on around. It's all over. 
People log on onto the internet, they swallow everything they hear. They have no standard of judging what they hear. We need to give priority, folks, to our own private study of the Word of God. Listen to me, it's an investment of our time and attention that will give us eternal dividends that cannot be stolen, that cannot be taken away from us. Jesus said to Martha, who was distracted with much serving, that Mary chose the better part, which will not be taken away from her. That's what Jesus said. Mary invested her time, her attention to what was much greater and better than being busy with the urgent needs and the necessities of life. Now let us learn from her and stop making excuses that we have no time to invest in hearing and hearing and studying the Word of God. Proverbs 4.22 says, Those who attend to the Word, those who incline the ears to the Lord's sayings, without letting them depart from their eyes, but keeping them in the midst of the heart, they will find, he says, true life and health to all of the flesh. And let me ask you a question. When the enemy of your soul comes up to eat up your flesh, according to Psalm 27, verse 2, or the flesh of your children, ravish it with sickness and disease, what will you do? How would you resist him if you do not know the truth? You are defenseless. When the enemy comes to destroy and devour your marriage, your children, your relationships, your finances, what will you do if you have no weapons to resist him? Yes, you're a believer. Yes, you are born again. Yes, God loves you. But that will not stop the enemy from devouring you. If you have no defense, no weapons, no truth, no knowledge, the Apostle Peter said this, warned us, saying, Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Why must I be sober? Why must I be vigilant? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say he will devour you. said he may devour. Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We are to resist him how? With what? Steadfast in the faith. Where are we going to get this faith that overcomes not only the world, but the devil and his cohorts? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We become strong in faith when we continually hear the word of God. The more we hear, the more we believe. The less we hear, the less we believe. Faith comes, but also faith goes. And fear comes the same way. It comes when we listen to the wrong voices, to the voice of deception. The more we listen to the stranger's voice, the further we depart from the truth and those who are able to help us. So, if we desire to change any area in our lives, listen carefully, the first thing we need to do is to change the source of information we have been receiving. Change your station. What we feed on will ultimately manifest in our lives. 
If we feed on the world's lies, we will live in constant fear and anxiety. We will have sleepless nights worrying about our future and the future of our children. I heard the Spirit of God say the other day, change your diet and you will change your life. Now, of course, he was referring to my spiritual diet and to your spiritual diet. Jesus said in John 6, 57, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. Feeds on who? On the Word. You know, I, I read some years ago that Lester Summerall, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, mighty man of God, went to visit another mighty man of God by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. He was mightily anointed and used by God. He knocked on the door with a newspaper under his arm. Smith answered the door and he noticed something under his arm. And he asked, what is that under your arm? And Samuel answered and said, it's a newspaper. And Smith said to him, leave that outside the door. I don't allow the words or the world's lies to enter my house. That's a true story. That's a true statement. It was said by those close to Smith Wigglesworth that he never, he learned, he learned to read the Bible and he never read any other publication except the Bible. And I'm not saying that we should not read any other publication. But what I'm saying is that we must be wise in discerning what we listen to and what we give attention to. Smith Wigglesworth was so strong in his faith that mighty signs and wonders followed his ministry. It is recorded that he raised the dead on six different occasions. What was the secret of his ministry or his faith? His devotion to the Word of God and his fervent prayer life. It was said that whenever he was invited for a meal in someone's house, regardless of who that person was, after the meal he would, he would pull his chair away from the table, take out his New Testament and say, We fed the body, now let's feed our spirit. And he would read a portion from the Gospels that had to do with faith and healing. You see, he constantly fed his faith with the Word of God. And all of us, of course, want such strong faith. But are we prepared to give such honor, attention, and devotion to the source of faith? As a shepherd of God's people over the years, I heard so many excuses as to why God's people don't have time to attend to the word either privately in their own time or in regular gatherings of the saints. But you know what? None of these excuses can be justified. If you are sick, oh, sorry, pastor, I can't come to church today. I'm sick. If you're sick, you need to attend to the word. If you are broke and have no money, you need to attend to the word and incline your ears to God's sayings. If your marriage is in trouble, you need to attend to the word. If your cousin, your sister, your brother, your friend is visiting you, tell them, I need to attend to the word and invite them to hear the word along with you. If they don't, 
It's their choice. Leave them at home. Or go to another room and you attend to the word. Let them watch TV and do whatever they like. If it's your birthday, Ashley, you need to attend to the word. If you honor God and his word, God will honor you. Amen. No other person, if you value the word, if you value and honor God and his word, no other person or thing can take his place. And by doing this systematically, you're communicating a principle. And the principle is God first. Everything else, everyone else must fall below and beneath my relationship with God and his word. Do what Joshua did. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's no maybe. We will serve the Lord. We will attend to the word. And if you attend to the word, the word will attend to you. And that's what I want to communicate, folks, to you tonight. I pray that the anointing of the Lord will give you understanding and revelation. I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to set priorities uh, in, 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 in a believer's life. This is life. When the enemy comes, you better be ready. You better prepare before he comes. Because Jesus said that the rain will fall and the floods will come and the winds will blow upon your house sooner or later. And if it's not founded upon the rock of the word of God, it will collapse. It will not stand. Amen. Are you still there? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious promises. Through these exceeding, Lord, and great promises, precious promises, we are able to see the invisible. We are able to believe the impossible. We are able to touch the untouchable, and we thank you for it. For by these exceeding great and precious promises, your word declares that we become partakers of your divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to value, give us understanding how precious, how valuable your precious promises are. And Lord, forgive us for our negligence, for our feeble excuses. I ask that you cleanse us from this as we repent tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.